Welcome to the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a weekly podcast for writers. Grab a cup of coffee, perhaps some paper and pen, and enjoy an interview with an author, a chat with a writing tool creator, perhaps a conversation with an editor or other publishing expert, as well as Kat's thoughts on writing and her own creative journey. You'll laugh, you'll cry, well, hopefully not actually cry, but you will probably learn something. And I hope you'll be inspired to write because as I always say, you have a story, you should write it down. This is Pencils and Lipstick. Hello, everybody. We are on episode 114 of the Pencils and Lipstick podcast. I'm Kat Caldwell, your hostess. And today, this podcast is going out on January 17th, 2022. I am really excited to have this guest with us today. Her name is Emma Desi. We met online. We've never met in person, but we just have this fantastic friendship. She's such a lovely woman, a lovely friend to have. I'm so glad to have met her on this journey with writing and podcasting. She also has a podcast, which is really lovely. She has wonderful guests on there. It's called Turning Readers into Writers. I highly recommend it. Head on over there. And if you do, let her know that I sent you by rating her podcast wherever you listen to it. You know that ratings are like gold, are like paying both podcasters and writers. We love the ratings. (laughs) We need you guys to let other people know that you are listening to the podcast and that you like the podcast. So head on over to wherever you listen to podcasts, turning readers into writers, of course, after this show. And let her know that you're there by giving her a great review. So Emma Desi is here to talk to us about her journey as a writer, what she is heading into doing, and about her BA bestseller 3.0 summit that is happening today. It starts today and it's completely free. The links are going to be in the show notes as well for you. She got together over 20 speakers to speak to you about all new things and especially about how to sit down and get your story written. Now, Emma has a great specialty, and that is looking at the scene, and especially helping people who are writing their very first novel. And so that is what we talk about mostly in this interview. But to be honest, I am on my fourth novel. I have the fourth one started, the fifth one started. (laughs) So I'm not a new writer. And yet what she talks about scene wise, I really took to heart and I went back and looked at my stuff and on Scrivener on the side, I have started to write out those questions that she's going to talk to us about um, in the show. And actually she talks about it quite a bit in the summit. I had the honor to interview her for that last little video of the summit. And she gives some really great information in there as well. So it's completely free. Go down to the show notes, sign up for the summit. It starts today. I think there's two to three speakers a day. You get access to the videos for 48 hours. And then if you upgrade for $37, you can have lifetime access to those videos, which is something that I always do. I do it any summit that I think, even if I think like, two or three speakers are really going to speak to me. I buy the upgrade because I want to be able to go back and listen. And because 
my life can get real crazy (laughs) and 48 hours goes by in a flash. So I think it's a steal, but Hey, if you have the time and the discipline to sit down and listen to those videos with a pen and paper, you can do it for free. Absolutely free. So we are going to talk about that before we get into the interview. I want to let you guys know about a few things that are happening in the creative writing community. We are continuing with the creative writing community. We are a private, small group of writers who are getting together to figure out kind of that parallel universe, that parallel life of writing where you need the author newsletter and with the author newsletter, lead magnets. And you need to know how to navigate book funnel and story origin. You also need some encouragement and accountability with other writers. You need a website. <laughs> you need social media and marketing. And how do you write your query letter? And how do you write your book blurb? And is it good enough? You know, finding people to sort of give feedback on that. Your beta readers, your book launch, two people are are ready to launch their books coming up. And I'm so excited for them, but it's really exciting to be able to have some brainstorming sessions and some sessions where, you know, we just as supporters and encouragers ask them, do you have this ready? Do you have this ready? What are you going to do about this? And it helps them, you know, realize what is done, what realize what still needs to be done and how to organize it and where they can count on us for help. So I highly encourage you, if you're looking for community, you're going to have experts come in and we're having Madeline Mosley come in. We're having Ross McMeekin come in. We have lots of different people coming in, whether they're editors, whether they're authors, whether they're publishers of social media experts, whatever they can do to help us either get the book done or encourage us on still going and encourage us on what needs to be fixed in the book or help us with that parallel life of marketing and website and all of that. We have the experts come in, we have the brainstorm sessions, we have the marketing sprints. And if you are a member of the the community, you are in a fully private Slack group, no Facebook, just Slack, where you get to only talk to other writers. It is completely secure. You can share your writing or your book and not worry about somebody else finding it. And you get a membership to the Creative Writing Sprints membership. And the Creative Writing Sprints membership is either included in your community membership, or you can just join the sprints for $25 a month in which you have eight sprints a week. Although we have added a ninth weekend one the last few weeks. So whenever we can do that, we will do that as well. And we're talking about some evening ones, but at the moment, for sure, at least eight sprints a week, that's 32 sprints a month. For two hours, you can come and go as you please, as you can. I've gotten feedback from some people that this is the most they've been able to write in the last few months once they tried the sprints and they just see that it's the accountability that really gets them in the chair. And they like the little chat with people, you know, hello, how are you doing? What are you working on? Uh, Meeting other writers. It's really nice for, you know, a couple minutes, five minutes, and then we write. And we sprint for 45 minutes and then we take a little break to get some water, whatever we need. And then we sprint again. And I've had some really lovely feedback from people. So I'm glad that it is helping them. If you are interested in doing that, you get a seven-day trial on both memberships. So head on over to catcaldwell.com and check it out. The links will be in the show notes as well, if that's easier for you, as well as a little thing that I put together 
for free. It is called the five days of writing sprints course. It's just five days where an email comes into your inbox and it gives you a link to a video in which I talk about a writing sprint. And the sprint can actually be used for fiction or nonfiction. So you could kind of use it for 10 sprints, you know, five fiction, five nonfiction. So you can get that in the show notes as well. If you are looking for a new story, you just need to sort of mine it out of your creative brain. If you are looking to maybe dabble in a different genre, maybe journal a little bit more, just have some fun. Maybe you're between projects. Check out the five days of writing sprints course completely free. I'd love to have you try it. I'd love to hear back from you and what you think about it. If you want to support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash pencils underscore lipstick, and you can support the pencils and lipstick podcast and make sure that we keep going. We are in our third year. I think we're three and a half years in already. And I have a wonderful editor who makes sure that the sound is always good. And we are having wonderful guests come in. We are going to have Jeremy Bassetti come in. He's going to talk to us about travel writing. I am working on a couple other people that I'm pretty excited, but I can't announce to you yet um, to come in. So I'm excited about where this podcast is going. And if you are too, if you want to support the show, a dollar, three dollars, whatever it is that you feel the value of the show is worth, you can go to patreon.com forward slash pencils underscore lipstick. And I will give you a shout out on the show. If you want to, if you have a business or a book, I will also talk on the show about that business or book. Now, without further ado, let's go talk to Emma and hear about this Be A Bestseller 3.0 Summit starting today, January 17th. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Pencils and Lipstick podcast. And welcome back to Emma Desi. My friend is back in, I want to say the house, but that's not true, (laughs) in the podcast. (laughs) Hi, Emma. How are you doing? Hi, Kat. Lovely to be here again. I'm really good. I'm uh, just delighted to be here. I always welcome uh, a chance to have a chat with you. Yes, we always, I think we've been chatting already for an hour, but that's how much (laughs) we like hanging out with each other. It's been over a year, I think, since you've been on the podcast. A lot has changed in your life. So the last time that we were talking, you had just published your third novel. Congratulations. Thank you. And you've done so much in the last year. So we have tons and tons to talk about. But before we get into it, in case anyone's new, would you introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, of course. So hi, everyone. I'm Emma Desi. I am a fiction writer and I'm a book coach. And as you can tell, I'm not based in the States. I'm based in the UK, in lovely Edinburgh, in Scotland, in fact. So other side of the pond. But I do work with a lot of students who are in America. So it is quite fun to feel that I'm part of an international community, which is nice. But yeah, I help first-time writers. I focus very much on first-time writers looking to write their first novel. And in a mix of genres as well, which is really, really nice. But we talk a lot about you know, the idea behind the story, what's motivating the story, and then looking at the storyline as it progresses, are we building our tension, is there enough drama going on, and then look towards how we can finish that story on a high and leave the reader feeling 
that they've had a great experience and but they've been in safe hands and they've trusted the writer and they've they want to come back for more and maybe read the second in a series or another story by that writer so I get to work on lots of stories which is lots of fun I really really enjoy it that is so much fun and just before you said you showed me a book of somebody who finished their book and you have a couple other people finishing so that's it's amazing because I think writing a book especially the first one is a dream a lot of people have and it can sometimes be a very difficult dream to, to come to fruition, even though there's tons of books published every year. I think that first one can be really hard. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, I agree 100%. It's um, I kind of when I ask people, uh, I quite often sort of um, survey people in my audience and ask, you know, how long have you been working on, on your novel? And the people have been working on it for decades, mm-hmm. but 30 years, I think somebody said to me quite recently, and obviously not continuously for that 30 years right. or for these decades, coming back to it and life taking over. I think that too just shows how tricky it can be just time-wise to mm-hmm. kind of dedicate a block of your life to producing this big project and keeping going with it and sticking with it until you get to the end. Yeah. So I don't know about you, Kat, but I certainly know from my own experience, it was easy enough to start a project right. and I've started many. <laughs> <laughs> But getting to the end was always the problem. Right. Yes. Yes. I, I am a very good starter. I don't know what personality that is. I'm sure it's something, some Enneagram number. I don't know what those things are, but yeah, I'm a very good starter. And I think that it can be really easy to start stories because I think a lot of us, like a scene or a person comes to mind. You know, mm-hmm. and it's sort of a turn of phrase and you you sit down and it sounds lovely and you're writing and you're describing or or this dialogue interaction is happening. And and that might, you know, work fine for three, four, five pages. And then where does it go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's the point yeah. of this? And to be fair and very honest about, you know, two decades ago, I thought that that was enough. And I think that some writers do think that that's enough, like just this this is the story he, you know, girl meets boy or girl goes on journey and then it ends (laughs) (laughs) with lots of lovely description and dialogue in between, you know, but Mm -hmm. that's not really a story. You know, it can be, I mean, it, it's almost like it's not good enough or it's not enough to be a book. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the sort of thing I think you can write for pleasure, just for fun as a hobbyist, perhaps. But if you have a vision that you want to finish a book that's going to go into the world and you want to find readers and people read it and enjoy it, then you've got to have more behind, more thought put behind it before you start writing. Right. Or acknowledge that you're going to start this with no clear idea of what's happening. Find out as you go along and then you're going to have to come back and do all the thinking and rejig things and do a lot of revision, I think, on the back end of that. Yeah. But either way, yeah, I think you're right. You've got to give the story thought. What is it you're trying to say with the story? How does, you know, where does your character at the beginning? Where are they at the end? What have they learned about life? How have they changed? Because I think once you kind of get those ideas, you're giving yourself a better chance not to have that soggy middle Mm -hmm. that we talk about a lot. Yes, where it just keeps going. And going, mm-hmm. and I've—I don't know about you, but working with first-time writers, I've read a lot of those, and I go back to the the, the projects that are unfinished on the on the computer are pretty much those. <laughs> they yeah. stopped at the soggy bottom. 
the middle. Yeah, they just yeah. kind of ramble on and nothing's really happening and you're not sure yourself what's going to go go down in this story. And so then it gets frustrating and you feel lost and it feels really difficult and overcomplicated uh, and boring. I think I feel mm-hmm. a lot of people worry that their story is boring. And when we get those feelings and that's when we think, oh, no, this isn't the story that I'm meant to write. I'll stop this one. But I've got this other idea, which is much better. I'm going to go and start this one now. Right. But you again are starting just with an idea more than more than what a story is. And I've been talking a lot on the podcast this season about storytelling because there was kind of a turning point last year. I just realized after you know doing some reviews for people for newer writers and a little bit of feedback, you know, beta reading, I realized we don't really know what storytelling is. We have a talent to write and to sort of make things come alive through words. But you have to know what a story is versus an anecdote versus a just party story, you know, something that you can tell people that happened. There's a really big difference between this thing happened in my life and I want to tell people about it, but it has to have a beginning, a middle and end. And like you said, the characters have to learn something or develop in some way. They have to have some sort of challenge. And I don't Mm -hmm. think we're taught that. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I was taught that. No, not at school, certainly. Right. I'm trying to think back now. Yeah, you were told there's a beginning, a middle and an end. I think actually at school I was taught kind of writing more sort of article style. This Mm. is what's going to happen. Then it happens. And then you recap what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Which is of no use to us storytellers who want to write novels or short stories of different sizes. That's not how it works at all. Right. I think you guys maybe do um, a little bit more over in the States kind of later on in schooling. but. We didn't so much at all do kind of creative writing at school. And so for myself, someone like myself, really are starting from scratch. It really is something self-taught unless you decide to study it at uni, Mm -hmm. which I think most writers don't. We might study English, but that's English literature. And so we're we're studying somebody else's work and delving down into how to construct a perfect sentence and looking at the themes about it, looking at the images that are created in this piece of artwork. Yes. But that doesn't teach us how to actually write a story that people want to read. <laughs> this is true. And a lot of times it's it's literature, which I love, but the tastes have changed, you know. Mm-hmm. And so obviously Pride and Prejudice could be very much a romance novel these days. They get together, you know, it's a happy ending. But that's, you know, then you go into like... Charles Dickens or something where you're you're describing the factory for seven pages and nobody wants to read that anymore. <laughs> no, very, very few people. Yeah. And you better so, yeah, do so it really I'm... well if you do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you'd have to do it very well. But yeah, no, I agree that then then we kind of have to teach ourselves, don't we, what is story and how mm-hmm. do we construct it and put it together. And I think when we before we started recording, we were talking about the difference between being somebody who writes for fun mm-hmm. and kind of as a, an enjoyable hobby, a challenging hobby, and somebody who wants to find their readers and make sales, that they're, it stops becoming an art form right. when you're looking to make an income from it. I think that's when it stops becoming an art form and it becomes a, you have to be more strategic with it. You have to kind of understand what it is, what is it that people enjoy about a story, not about a piece of literary fiction that maybe doesn't have a story. Right. I'm thinking of one I read this year that won a bit, was shortlisted for a big prize. 
<laughs> for my money, oh my goodness, there was just, I couldn't figure out how this had been. You know, to me, there was no story. There was nothing happening. It was all disjointed and nothing resonated at all. And as is with most literary books, I think right. that's why. But they're not aimed at readers as such. They're not aimed at the buying public. I think they are more aimed at the art critics. Yeah, and the prizes more than the the salary for the writer. Yeah, <laughs> there's two different types of product there. Mm-hmm. One is an art form and one is something that people really want to read and enjoy and get involved in and not have to think too much but be swept along in this yes. story, whatever yeah. it is. And there is an art form to that, but since we don't know always what it is, what is it that brought you to want to help first-time writers? Was it you figuring out how to get to the end of your novels and figuring out that soggy myth? <laughs> what is it that <laughs> brought you to want to help other other people? It wasn't so much about the craft of writing at all. It was more about the emotional side of it. Mm. So like many, I'd spent a number of years writing my first. I think it took five years from beginning to end. And um, it was something I'd never thought I'd be able to do, would be to finish a novel. And that had been my goal when I started writing this one. Just finish a first draft. That's all Mm. you've got to do is finish that first draft. Prove to yourself you can do it. And so however many years later, I did finally finish it. And I just remember that feeling of, oh my goodness, I've done it. This this dream I've had since I was 12 years old or whatever, I've actually accomplished it. I've written a full novel. It was, you know, it's a first draft. It's not brilliant. Right. There's lots to be done still. But that feeling of completion, that feeling of I stuck with it, Mm -hmm. the feeling of commitment to it and knowing that I could actually commit myself to this project and get through to the end and realizing if I can do that, what else can I do? It, yeah. it just was a catalyst for so so many other things. And I do say to people, you know, it, it changed my life, which yeah. feels very, very dramatic. And I didn't know it at the time that it had done that, but it set in motion a chain of events that kind of have led me to where I am now and loving it and loving being part of this world. And now can't imagine not being part of this writerly world and meeting wonderful people like right. yourself. Yeah, so I think it was, and I just wanted other people to experience that particularly women mm-hmm. who perhaps had come to, you know, the kids had grown up, they'd left, are now left in this place thinking, oh, okay, what's what's there for me? Am I too old now to do all these things that I want to do? Because believe it or not, I have actually had people email me and say, I'm in my early 30s. I think I've left it too late. Oh my and goodness. on the other side, you know, <laughs> I'm laughing, thinking, oh my goodness, what does that make me? It's positive geriatric. <laughs> But I wanted people to know that, no, it's not too late. And in fact, that's one of the wonderful things about any of the creative arts, whether it's acting, singing, whatever it might be, you're never too old. And in fact, the older you get, the richer it becomes, the better you get, the more you've got to share with the world. And the more you're willing to take a chance and take a gamble and just see if you can do it and and have fun with it. So it was was that kind of emotional side, really. I wanted other people to feel that the way that I had and just even if they never write another book again, they've seen what they can do when they stick with it. I love that. That's a, I think that's a great motivation because I don't think everyone sets off to be a full-time author, but just because they want to write a book, you know, mm-hmm. but that, that shouldn't stop them, especially this in this day and age when you can finish the book and you can get it out to people. Then, mm-hmm. you know, it shouldn't stop them from wanting to at least write that book and see, get that goal done. Like why leave it behind? 
So what about you? Because you you also help writers. And what prompted you to kind of branch out from your own writing and help others? I think you and I have talked about it before. It was like the really, the lonely journey that it was to do that. I mean, I think you and I started around the same time. So the internet, believe it or not, was still a bit of a baby. And I think <laughs> you and I were both expats. So when you're when you're isolated from people around you, it was great to hear that people back home could go find some writing groups, but that wasn't the case for us all the time, you know? So it was really that lonely part of it. And then, be, you know, hitting the, the end part and looking around my lonely office. Like, hey, everyone, I finished it. Nobody, nobody cares. And then all the other things. I think you focus a lot on helping people get through the novel writing and I think I, I focus a little bit more on like what one of my group called the parallel life of the author. Because if you do want to get it that. out, right? She's great. She's good at turn of phrase. There's so many other things to do. You know, you finished it. Sure. Now you have to find somebody to edit it. Maybe beta read it. Maybe get a cover. <laughs> you know, how do you format it? How do you launch it out into the world? Because of course, I don't know about you, but I hit publish on KDP and there were crickets and rightly mm-hmm. so, but like. I didn't know where to go at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we think that writing the book is the hardest part. And we've learned, haven't we, that actually that's just the beginning. Yeah. It almost <laughs> seems easy what, uh, in hindsight, even though in the moment it, it feels like mammoth, you know. Yeah. What do you, what have you seen in the last year as you've opened your coaching business, coaching for writers and you talk to a lot of people on your podcast, turning readers into writers. What have you seen that really is the stickler for first-time writers for their first novel? A lot of it. There's, I'd say there's two main things that it always essentially boils down to, and that's time, mm-hmm. feeling that you've got the time to write it, and then just the confidence mm-hmm. to write and feeling that what you are writing is you know, either interesting or fun or is sharing something. A lot of people are writing memoir at the moment. So, you know, are you sharing that experience? Are people interested in that experience? You know, so that confidence level, I think everything that I see kind of essentially boils down to those two things. That's interesting. And the easiest one of those I feel it to fix is the time element. You know, we all we all have the same amount of time. It's just about how we apportion that time. And when you're committed to the book, you know, if you decide this is it, this is my time, I'm going to make this happen, then you've got to, in my opinion anyway, I believe you've got to schedule it in. It's as mm-hmm. simple as that. Mm-hmm. Especially when I am, you know, talking with women who are parents, perhaps they're working full time, they've got kids of various ages. And of course, now maybe at that age where they've also got parental responsibilities, you know, for their parents. Mm-hmm. So there can be all this push and pull of demands and responsibilities. And if you don't schedule yourself in 40 minutes in a week to do your writing, that week is going to fly by and you're going to have no time left. Because yep. if we don't allocate it, it just gets eaten up by all the other things that are placing demands on us. So I very, very strongly believe that like you do with the dentist appointment, when you go to the theatre, when you go to work, when the kids are at school, when you're visiting friends or family, just like all of those things, you put them in your diary and you schedule them in. Because mm-hmm. if it ain't on the diary, then it's not, not going to get happen. done. Because we think, oh, well, you know what, well, my priority list is this. Once I get those things done, then there'll be time for me. 
And, you know, I say this in one of my trainings, you know, it's not like you're not on the list. You are on your priority list. You you are there, but you're pretty near the bottom. Mm-hmm. And so by the time you've done all the other things, you're exhausted. There is no time. And the week's flown by. OK, now you've got to start again for the next week. And more frustrated. And you feel frustrated, yes, yeah. don't you? You feel, oh, I've let myself down again. I just can't believe another week has gone by. Maybe I'm not meant to do this. If I was meant to do this, it'd be so, so much easier. But none of which is true. But we've just, because we're all so busy, we've just got to make that time and put it in our diary and, and honour it. Right. I also think it helps the people around you see that you're taking it seriously. We were talking about this with my sprinting group. And one woman said, you know, because I have scheduled and for almost a year now at these same times, even though she still has to tell people, but they hear her say, no, that's my writing time. And it really internalizes in ourselves. I think, especially as women, as you said, we don't always prioritize ourselves, even though we really want to do it, we won't Mm -hmm. prioritize it. But then the people around us will say, oh, look, she's really taking this seriously. And to be fair, it can take months to a couple of years, <laughs> <You know? laughs> but that it's like that habit. Okay. If it's Saturday morning and mom's working or if it's Sunday or whatever it is, then they just get used to it and they mm-hmm. come to expect it. It's like, you have to train your family <laughs> and yourself. 100%. Yes. Now I work in a little cupboard in the basement of our house and now they know that when the cupboard door is closed they do not come in they know that I'm busy doing something like a a mutual friend of ours Rhonda she talks about even just putting a set of headphones on your Mm -hmm. head something visual a notice on the door something visual that when people see it they go oh okay yeah mum dad whoever it is is busy right now I better wait the half an hour until they're finished and then I can come and talk to them yes Um, But yeah, you're right. It does take training. Absolutely. It does. It takes training (laughs) yourself and training the other people. But why then? I think when you're in that middle, like I was and you're alone and then you're like both of us maybe and you you sort of see something isn't working. I think for me in the the second book came pretty easily, but the first book that had a lot of deleted scenes. (laughs) I didn't always know where that was going. happy ending. Yes, but that doesn't always mean anything, you know. So you help people sort of get through that muddy middle as a coach, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. there for them. Mm -hmm. It's not just sort of listening to you on the podcast, but you're there physically kind of helping them with that. So what does that look like? What does coaching mean? Yeah, good question. Good, good question. So we we have a Zoom call. So we have a certain amount of time a month together and we have a Zoom call and a lot of that we'll be looking at. So to try and avoid that that saggy middle, we do spend a lot of time talking about what is it that your character wants mm-hmm. in this story. And it could be as simple as they want a job promotion or they want a new partner. Mm-hmm. But then we do kind of delve then behind that. And you'll have heard this in countless, you'll have read it in countless books and you'll have heard it in countless podcasts. We're looking at what your character wants and then what your character needs. So underneath that new job or that new partner, what really is it that they need? What's that internal drive that they're seeking? What is the internal wound that they have or hold that they've got? I think in romance in particular, they talk about the wound. Mm-hmm. So what is that wound or what is that flaw the character has and where does it come from and how does it affect their life in the present at the beginning of the story? And then we want to 
look at how will they achieve either of those things by the end of the story? Will they get what they want or will they get something new that they didn't know they wanted? Okay. And will they heal that wound or will they resolve that flaw? Will their worldview change? Which it has to, mm-hmm. if we want to have a good story. So we do spend a lot of time kind of looking at that, which I know can be quite frustrating for people who want to just delve in and start writing. And like I said before, you can certainly start in and delve in and start writing, but we always want to have that kind of question in the back of our head. What is it our character wants on the surface? Because that's your plot line. But what is it that they're needing and they're striving for underneath that internally? Because that's your character arc. That's the the real journey that they're going on, the interesting journey that they're going on. Um, And so we do kind of always talk about that, think about that. And I think that's a a thing that we get asked a lot, like you said, but it's not that easy all by yourself sometimes to figure that out. I really think the greatest thing about coaching is that you're talking to somebody Mm -hmm. else who's Mm -hmm. listening and can pull that, okay, but that's not an actual want or need, or why would he need that? You know, and so you can get away with this, get the silly stuff away and really get deeper, which you might not be able to do by yourself. Totally. And I think you hit on the the big question there, which is the why. Mm-hmm. You know, why is your character doing this? Why do they want that? Why do they have that wound? Why do they have that flaw? And that question of why follows throughout the whole the whole novel, really. You're always asking, why are they doing it? Why are they doing it? Why are they doing it? Why are they reacting that way? Why are they reacting that way? Because we want to get underneath the surface and really understand what it is that's pushing the story forward. Because once you understand those whys, once you kind of delve underneath that surface, it almost, I think this is what people talk about when they're, when you hear other writers say the book almost wrote itself. Mm. It's because they're, they are in tune with their character's internal story, their internal drive. And so they can see clearly how their character would react in any given situation. And so then it becomes, there's less stress around it. You just kind of automatically know or the back of your brain automatically knows and follows through. So that question of why and you can do this for your own books you know your own stories as well just keep asking yourself why are they doing this why are they doing this if they come across a a problem in their life and they can choose a or b why did they choose b right Um, is that congruent with their their personality and the the life experiences they've had up until now if it is go for it but if it's not oh what would they do right what has life taught them yeah and if if you don't know all of this stuff about your character, which right now you're making me think I should, I should make a little few more notes for my <laughs> book I'm working on right now. I'm thinking, why? I'm going to write that up on my, on my desktop. But you'll end up making as a writer, you'll make them make a choice that maybe you as a writer want them to make, not mm-hmm. what the character would make. And I know You've read probably some as a beta reader or something where you just like, but the character wouldn't do that, you know, because Mm -hmm. you've set up this character as something and there's nothing more dissatisfying than reading a book and thinking that 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 doesn't make sense from that character. You Mm -hmm. know, all of a sudden it's really kind of the writer imposing on this. And it doesn't mean that it's bad writing is what I've, I've kind of really come to grips with this year is just because it's not part of the story or should be taken out. It actually doesn't mean that it's bad writing. A lot of times it means that you've tried to put too much into this character and too much into the story 
or you've had the character make the wrong decision from what you've set up and then mm-hmm. you have to cut it. You know, yeah. I don't know about you, but I, I always thought whatever you cut is it's because it's bad writing. And I guess technically that's quote unquote bad because it's not going with the story, but it's, that's, it's not because it's grammatically incorrect or not pretty. I guess is what yeah. I'm to say. And it's not to say that what you've written couldn't work in a different right. story, but you're writing a particular story. And so it's kind of important to try and keep on track with that. Right. And kind of a third question that goes along mm-hmm. with that thinking is, okay, well, what is it that you're trying to say about life with this story? Okay. And that's a really hard question to answer. Mm. People hate it. <laughs> and it's really important because when you know what it is that you're trying to say about life with this story, then it sort of acts as a North Star. Everything has to keep coming back okay. to that. And so if you go down off a tangent, there's nothing wrong with that for all intents and purposes, but it's not the story that you're actually trying to tell. And so mm. then you kind of either got to find a way back to it or, as you say, kind of just chop it and say, I'll keep this for another story. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah. Moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think as newer writers, there were many times that I was thinking when I got feedback from an editor or something like, yeah, well, so-and-so goes down a tangent too. But really, so-and-so, you know, whoever that person is that I admired, they were able to bring it back and it still made sense to the story. So just because, <laughs> just because, you know, and that goes again into us, we don't really study this. We don't really Mm -hmm. know why some stories work. We know in our gut, the books that we want to toss across the room and the books that we, you know, put priority on our shelves, but we don't Mm -hmm. know what it is. We weren't ever taught. Like you said, the internal wound or the, the flaw of the character. I read the science of storytelling. And that was the first time I'd really delved into stories of like, oh, this is his flawed point of view of the world and like how it revolved, this whole story revolves around that, not in a boring mm-hmm. way and in actually a very fascinating way. And I had never heard that before. So mm-hmm. yeah. I don't think we learn any of this. <laughs> no, no. And yet we're, ex- you know, particularly if we decide we want to be indie writers or we're just writing that first book, we, we put the pressure on ourselves to kind of know all this mm. instinctively for no other reason that we've been a lifelong reader mm-hmm. that we think, yeah, I should automatically know all this. And then when we don't know it, then we think that we're failing and we don't have what it takes. And why are we even trying to do this anyway? And I'll, my first draft is never going to be as good as that finished product on the bookshelf that I read and finished last night and I couldn't put it down. Right. And so with this, I think this is a lot of where the confidence issues can, can come from is that comparing apples and oranges not apples and apples right and feeling that you should know how it's done automatically and not giving yourself the kind of grace or the patience or the kind of the fact that you don't right it's simple none of us do and again it's one of those wonderful things about being a creative person being in the arts is that we're never going to know it all we're never going to have it down pat just so it's a lifelong learning experience and we kind of get to enjoy it and are our first books ever going to be our best? Well, unless you're Harper Lee, no, they're not. <laughs> and do you really want your first book to be your right. best? Because then where have you got to go after that? I mean, Harper Lee, I think, never published anything again because where had she left to go? There was nowhere. Yeah. So we don't want it to be the best. We want it to be a, a process, a journey that we're enjoying, we're learning, we're taking part in and have fun with it. Yes, <laughs> have fun with it. That's 
Definitely. <laughs> if we could bring back the fun, because it isn't fun to be stuck and it isn't fun to not have the confidence that you can get, get it done. And I, I think it's also worth pointing out that the, the people that we really admire, even if it is their first book, they most likely didn't do it alone. You know, a lot of books go through MFAs because mm-hmm. they recognize that they need help and, you know, that's where they go mm-hmm. or they have mentors. I mean, I just, even, even all of the people that we really admire from a hundred years ago or plus, they weren't, you know, locked up in their attic writing and not talking to anyone. Their editor used to be their mentor, their friends, you know, mm-hmm. they would study the writing and storytelling. Of course, storytelling was a much bigger part of life at that point, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So nobody's ever really done it alone, but somehow we think that we have to. These yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I always kind of, you know, give the example of Tolkien who created a complete genre, but he didn't, he had his inklings, I think they called themselves. And they were all writers and they all talked about the story that Mm -hmm. each of them were writing. They discussed it. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? So even though he may have penned it himself, Mm -hmm. there was a group think going on there. He was part of a bigger, a bigger world. I interviewed international bestseller now, Imogen Clark. She's sold over a million books now. She's doing remarkably well. It was lovely to chat to her. But again, this was something that she kept coming back to. When I asked her if you had a final piece of advice for somebody, what would it be? And hers was, you know, invest in yourself. This You can't do it alone. Very few people managed to do it successfully alone. And she knew that if she hadn't done her degree, she she went back to the Open University, which is a part-time training facility in the UK. She looked, reached out to mentors. She reached out to tutors and learned from them and took from them what she could. And then she applied it. So she was always kind of learning and then putting Mm -hmm. it into application. And that's how steadily over a number of years, she managed to build a fantastic career. And is now, I think she's looking to kind of go on and, and help other new writers too. But she did say, you've got to make that investment in yourself, whether it be financial or whether it be time and energy. If you don't believe it in yourself, why should anybody else? You know, you've got to be the one that starts this inner revolution for yourself. No one else is going to do it for you. And I wholeheartedly agree with her that you've got to make that that investment one way or another Mm -hmm. for you and your storytelling and your possible future. Who knows? Yes, I, I really I agree as well, because a talking to somebody about I think a lot of times the author themselves will come to the conclusion. I mean, as a coach or as a friend, but as you know, we'll talk about as your you as a coach, you're not there to take credit for whatever comes up in the session, you know, and typically that's not that's not even your role, but the author knows it's just that we need to talk because a lot of times it's such a silent career. <laughs> you know, we're sitting all by ourselves and trying to come up with what should happen and we need to to verbalize that, and I think, mm-hmm. I think that yeah, that's what I they used to do. do. Have a fear. Yeah, yeah, I think people. I think you're right. People do fear that. I don't. Know, I think people do also fear that it's not going to be their story if they mm. talk to somebody about it, or if someone helps them generate an idea, then it's not theirs and theirs alone, and yeah. they can't take credit for it. Or the other one that always surprises me, but I do hear from time to time, people are scared that. The professional that they're working with is going to steal their idea yeah. and go off and write it, which no professional would, no professional worth their salt would. Right. But even if they did, it's still not going to be the story that you write because they are not you. Mm-hmm. So it's never going to be the same. 
but you're right yeah as a coach and if you've taken part in any coaching before you'll know this in any area of life coaching is not about telling you what to do and telling you how to how you should write this book or how you should live your life or how you should save your money or whatever it is it's about helping you as the writer uncover what's within you because you as the writer already know the answers Mm -hmm. it's already in there in your body in your brain somewhere it's about digging down having someone help you dig down and unearth them and it's one of the things I love Kat the most about coaching is when even though it's over zoom I just love that when someone someone's eyes light up and they ah they finally figured it out they had that aha moment and uh and you can just see they can't wait to get off the call and start writing because they figured it out (laughs) That's amazing. And I I think that sometimes talking to somebody can help that go a little bit faster than if you're just going around your house. I like to think a lot when I vacuum, (laughs) nobody bothers me. But to be fair, I come back to the group a lot and you and I chat a lot. I was like, okay, I was thinking about this. What do you think? Because a lot of times thoughts in our head aren't completely fully formed (laughs) until we try Mm -hmm. to verbalize them. Or you, you think they are until you try to a full sentence and then you think okay maybe I need to figure that out a little bit more so I do I really encourage people if they're stuck to to find someone to talk to and you you have a um so you have a coaching business but you get on and you do sort of what are they called intro intro what do you what do you call these <laughs> when you when somebody comes in to see if if coaching is going to work Oh, a cl- yeah, I do like an introductory call, a clarity call. See, I was almost there. Introduction. Yeah. <laughs> because I do think you also have to find the person that's going to work well with your time, you know, whatever your schedule is, but also your personality and how you how you fit with them, you know, and, and the genre and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. There are, you know, you might find a coach who really knows their stuff. And and they have a good critical eye and you know intellectually that they're going to be able to help you. But there's just something that's not gelling. You don't want to talk to them. You probably shouldn't hire them. (laughs) 100%. If that person can't explain things in a way that Mm -hmm. makes sense to you or if they don't like the way that they give their feedback, Mm -hmm. then that's not the person that you want to work with because it's a relationship and it has to be open and it has to be two ways. Mm -hmm. So you have to feel comfortable to be honest with your coach and your coach needs to feel comfortable to be honest with you as well. And, you know, be respectful of what it is you're trying to achieve, Mm -hmm. but be constructive with it so that you can achieve it. And if you're kind of something about that person that just you feel yourself closing up with then that's not the person not so it's finding someone who sort of has enough of the skill level but also that you can resonate with and I actually might suggest that it's the personality thing that's mm-hmm. more important okay than anything else but um, but those those two you want them to be in conjunction with one another yeah right 100%. so that intro call is kind of getting to know each other getting to see if you fit yeah I mean you're not going to be able to be fully honest and open up if you if you just don't, <laughs> so we don't mesh with everyone, right? There's lots of people no. in this world and we got to find yeah. that right personality fit. But other than coaching and helping people get their books out and finished and out into the world, your podcast, turning readers into writers, writing your own books. Okay. Should we, <laughs> this list is getting longer and longer, Emma. <laughs> you've also started summits, be it, be a bestseller summit. And you've, we're going into the third 3.0 in a week or this week actually 
So this one's called Structure Your Story for Success. So what is this about? I'm very excited about it. <laughs> a, they hear from wonderful people like yours truly. <laughs> they certainly do. Yeah. It's an interview series. So I okay. have sourced the best people I can, including Kat, you have very kindly agreed Thank to come in as well. <laughs> talk about lots of different things that relate right. to either writing a book or the writing life more mm-hmm. generally. And so I've got speakers coming in to shed light on how to create new writing habits. Okay. Because that, as we know, finding the time, making those habits is a big, big part of getting to the end. What else have we got? You know, how you take that story spark, that initial idea, Mm -hmm. how do you turn it into a storyline that might work? Because as we've discussed, not everything does. As as Um, my computer tells me, not everything. (laughs) All those files I have. And then we've got people talking about different aspects of craft. So if you're a romance writer, I have someone coming in to talk about romance. There's a lady coming in to talk about thriller. Uh, What else we've got? We've got looking at dialogue, pacing. That's something I get asked Mm. about a lot. You know, how do I pace my novel and make sure it's fast where it needs to be, slows down where it needs to. So that's really well worth listening to. And then uh, right at the other end, you know, what happens after you finish that first draft? How do you find your readers? And I've even got someone talking about contracts. So that's something to be thinking about as well, just to give you a a flavor for what, particularly if you are going the traditional route, Mm -hmm. what should you be looking out for in a contract? What's acceptable? What's not? And she really cleverly kind of helps us to reframe our mindset around this. Hmm. so that you begin to realize that in fact you are a partner of this publisher okay whether it be amazon or a traditional publisher sure your partner's working together you are not an employee of theirs mm-hmm. and and um, sometimes i think we do have that feeling we're just so grateful for someone to yeah. publish our book that we will take anything they offer and particularly in the traditional world don't do that right be kind of a bit more circumspect so she gives us a great kind of introduction introduction to that yeah and what to look out for there that's that's actually um, very important is even if you even if you're indie published because contracts can come up people get movie deals or or television deals or audio deals or these new Bella and Galileo deals and all that and it is very important to not be swept away with the oh somebody recognized my book but to give the due time that it is and to find out what that it deserves that it's your it's your work right and you can go to twitter any number of days and find people who have found out that their contract wasn't exactly what they would like it to be right now you know yeah yeah there's a lot to think about there's there's translation audio Mm -hmm. television yeah so that's amazing that's a very very good idea and Mm -hmm. talking about investing in people this this is completely free, which boggles my mind. You have more than 20 people coming in yeah, to talk and people just need to invest their time really to learn. Yeah, it's free to sign up. You can go to beabestseller.net and you can sign up there. And it's absolutely free. Um, once you just register with your email address, you'll get a confirmation email. And then the event itself lasts 12 days. And mm-hmm. each day you'll get a new email with the, that day's speakers in it and you get 48 hours to watch each one so it is investment in time Mm -hmm. but there are going to be certain topics certain people that you'll be interested in so it's well worth kind of registering so you can get access to those people but I do recommend I I know from 
as you as you said, this is the third one I've hosted. I know that from the others that I've hosted, it really has been a pivotal moment for many people. Mm-hmm. It has been the spark that's helped them to kind of get enthusiastic and motivated and uh, really get their mind on the game. And okay. they've gone on and they're fin- not only finishing their first book, some are now publishing as well. That's amazing. It really can be transformational. So, you know, make sure you get signed up, come in and see who's there, listen to the ones that resonate with you and uh, and take action on the suggestions that they have. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a great place in one place to find a lot of people. Somebody's going to resonate with you. Every summit that I go to, I hear tidbits and, and quotes and things that are just like, oh, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. Yeah. You know, and I think even if, if you're going to start out slowly and investing monetarily, I always buy the up, I guess, buying it so that I can have that time to go back and watch the video. So almost every summit that I'm part of, I don't know if you're doing this where you can sort of buy more time access because I always want to go back, especially with the ones that resonate. I'm usually making dinner as I listen to them and I want (laughs) to go back and maybe see facial expressions or, you know, oh, they said something that I really liked and I want to go and, and re-listen to it and sort of have that under my belt. Are you going to allow people to yeah okay yeah so the the event is free as i say but there is an option there that if you want to upgrade to a vip pass and you can do that for 37 us dollars it's just a flat rate okay and that gives you lifetime access to all of the interviews and it also gives you access to a bonus training by jay thorne oh wow three-story methods so he's got a special training just for those that upgrade and he's got a special offer for those that upgrade as well so um there's a little incentive there for you uh, if you want to do that, but it's not obligatory. Right. It's there if you need it. Right. Yeah. So if you're able for 12 days to stay away from Netflix and get your kids to leave you alone and your and your partner. <laughs> yeah. And Kat, you're coming in as well. Yes. Kat is, thank, I'm really pleased. You know, community and um, being part of a group is so, so important these days. And I'm seeing it more and more mm-hmm. that, yes, we have access to a global world, but actually it's making us feel a little bit lost. Right. And there seems to be this return to wanting to be in just a smaller, more curated group. And Kat, you offer that, don't you, with your writing sprints, a very curated group of very like-minded people. Um, and so you're coming in to talk to us about the power of group sprints. And they, mm-hmm. I know from firsthand experience <laughs> just how powerful and transformational they can be. Right. So uh, I thank you for coming in to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Above anything, I think time, like you said, is a difficult one. It's hard to put that aside just for ourselves. And then I know a lot of people always say, well, I have this time. And then I sit down and I just stare at the screen. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so for me personally, group sprints work because he's like, okay, everyone else is writing. So I'm just going to start getting some word out, (laughs) you know, like going to force myself to do this. And most of the time it then, you know, starts coming out. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you can also use it as a time to do your character studies, you know, really delve into answering those questions, which I think is what I will be doing today. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Why is my character doing this? So I will have all the links in the show notes. When this podcast goes out, the Be a Bestseller 3.0 Structure Your Story for Success is starting today, but you can still get access to it. You can still sign up. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend that you just, you pay the $37, get the extra bonus. Cause who doesn't want bonuses from Jay Thorne? I mean, come on, <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of, you know, if life gets in the way as life usually gets in the way for me, I can, you know, I don't 
feel like, oh my gosh, I missed that person. I really wanted to listen to them. Okay. I can still go back and listen. So, but if you can do it and invest your time for 12 days, keep a notebook and pencil nearby. Cause I'm sure, I'm sure that you are going to hear a lot of really awesome things. There's actually quite a few new people on there that I haven't met before. So I'm very excited to hear new ideas and new thoughts from new, new people from yeah. new to me, we'll say. Yeah. <laughs> not so Wait, new, no, on the block. <laughs> so thank you so much, Emma, for coming on. It's been lovely to talk with you again. Yay. Thank you so much. I always enjoy our chit chats. you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils Olympic podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.